Welcome to all of you from your centres that are coming together to learn and practice Dhamma. Last Friday, I showed a video about the Bodhi tree that was hundreds of years old in the north of Thailand, which had fallen down after a big storm. About 20 people were cutting the branches of the Bodhi tree. After cutting these branches, the Bodhi tree suddenly stood back upright. And at that time, when the tree came back upright, the roots were already above the ground. How could it happen like this? There must be something amazing happening. If we look at it in a practical sense, one may say that there was some strength that pulled the tree upright, or the roots were firmly attached so it could pull the tree back upright. But if we explain it this way, then when the branches were being cut, the strength left in the roots should pull the Bodhi tree back upright gradually. But in this case, almost all the branches were cut and the tree came back up suddenly. It was like as if there was a great energy that helped to lift it back up. It could be possible that the Dewas were supported by this hundreds of year old Bodhi tree and helped to look after it. The Dewas had the great faith and respect for the Buddha who had attained to becoming a Buddha underneath a Bodhi tree. It was likely that this particular Bodhi tree would have had monks paying homage to it, faith from the lay people, as well as the Dewas paying respects to it for hundreds of years, all of them recollecting the Buddha. This may have given rise to this amazing occurrence. And there is one story about a Bodhi tree and our great teacher, Venerable Ajahn Chah. There was once when Ajahn Chah's father, Yompo Pim Chuangchot, became ill. Ajahn Chah went to go attend on him and looked after him very well until his father passed away. Ajahn Chah contemplated into the body as his meditation object. He reflected on the changing condition of this body. Ajahn Chah gained a lot of weariness and disenchantment in his heart. The body arises like this and ceases just like this. However a person is, poor or rich, however they may struggle, but all lives must decay like this at the end. He had great weariness in the heart. Even after going back to continue his study in the district of Nongrak, he would often think back to his father and still couldn't get rid of this feeling of weariness, thinking of death and the uncertainty of life. So he thought he had to lead himself to the freedom from this never-ending cycle of birth and death. He made a vow of truth to himself that he would give up this one life to dedicate it to following the teachings of the Buddha. He would gain insight in this very life so that he would not need to have unceasing difficulties, suffering and have to be born and die again. He would practice wholeheartedly no matter how difficult it would be. He said that sometimes he would be practicing meditation and he would want to eat food so badly. His mind would be very disturbed over it to the point he would be imagining breaking up a banana and putting it in his mouth. The pain of hunger 
and the proliferating thoughts came up to this extent. Ajahn Chah said he had to fight and struggle with difficulties of every type, but he said he was determined to train and practice to end all suffering. And in 1944, Venerable Ajahn Chah's mother, Yompim, had a dream that two of her teeth came out of her mouth. Ajahn Chah's mother, Yompim, felt very upset, but someone came to tell her not to worry. They were just ordinary teeth, and they would give her gold teeth to replace them. She woke up and wondered about the dream and what it meant. And later there was a Bodhi tree that grew from the stairs on the bottom of their house. This Bodhi tree grew as eight trees and grew extraordinarily well. Yompim was very happy about this. She told what had happened to one senior monk at a nearby monastery. He said it was very auspicious because the Bodhi tree is of the same breed as the Buddha because the Buddha had attained underneath the Bodhi tree. But the monk said that one shouldn't plant the Bodhi tree at home and in a monastery would be more suitable. This Bodhi tree was not an ordinary Bodhi tree as eight trees arose at the same time. Yompim told her youngest son, Banpot, to take the Bodhi trees to plant at Tongsawan Monastery. So this story tells of the vision that Ajahn Chah's mother had about Ajahn Chah. Her teeth coming out and putting gold teeth in its place was a vision that begun from the arising of the Bodhi trees. Its meaning was that Ajahn Chah would have a great spiritual development that would be able to spread the teachings of the Buddha to many countries around the world. This was Ajahn Chah's merit and spiritual development that he had already, which can be compared to the vessel that was already open, not closed. When he learnt the Dhamma and practiced it, it was like the rain that fell into his vessel, ultimately becoming full. This was the Dhamma that was full in his heart so that he could spread the teachings of the Buddha to other countries. The first time Ajahn Chah went to the UK, Ajahn Chah said that wherever he went and he saw the prosperity of the West, he was never impressed about their material advancement. With whatever he saw, he said that the Buddha was teaching him all the time. The Buddha was with him all the time. What did this mean? The Buddha had attained Parinibbana already, but Ajahn Chah said that the Buddha was with him all the time. This is the knower, the one that understands about nature according to the way it is. The knower that teaches his mind to have the understanding arise and to not be deluded in material advancement. This is Dhamma that is very important and very sharp. This is the Buddha that is with Ajahn Chah all the time, making him not deluded with external material advancement. And he said that whatever questions he would ask himself, the answer would come up immediately. This is the intelligence of Ajahn Chah. This is the wisdom that he had trained in already. This wisdom is not able to be given to others. It is a spiritual development that must be built and trained in. So the Buddha said that even though the Buddha had many amazing psychic abilities, 
there were still four things that he couldn't do for his disciples, that his disciples must do and practice for themselves. The Buddha only teaches. What are these four things? One is that the Buddha is unable to change the result of karma for people. Whoever builds that karma, no one else can receive that result of karma on behalf of that person. That person must receive their karma themselves. Two is the wisdom that is unable to be given. One must train for oneself until wisdom can arise within oneself. One must learn and memorize. They must read and listen a lot. Be ones of vast knowledge. They must stay close with people of vast knowledge. They have to learn and study appropriately, doing this until they can gain wisdom. This is something that can't be given. 3. The essence of the Dhamma cannot be conveyed through language. Ultimately, the reality of the universe requires one to practice Dhamma. There is only one path that will lead one to experience the truth of Dhamma. Whatever nationality one is, or the language that one speaks. If one is only learning the scriptures, one won't be able to gain understanding into the Dhamma. It's just like the spoon in the curry, which is unable to taste the curry. One must practice to gain proof of the truth, and then one will truly understand the Dhamma. And four, for one who has no wasana or spiritual development, they will be unable to receive the Dhamma. This is compared to like if it were raining very heavily and one has no vessel with which to receive the rain or one's vessel is turned upside down. Then however much the rain falls, no rain will go inside that vessel or the rain would give no benefit to the grass that has no roots. The grass can't grow. So even if the Dhamma is so big and great, it is difficult for an individual to have the spiritual development to receive it. Like the Dhammas of patient endurance, of samadhi, of mindfulness, if one doesn't use them to practice, then they will give no benefit to oneself. Only if we use the Dhammas of patient endurance, mindfulness and wisdom to practice with, will we then receive the results of it. But if we don't practice with those qualities, then the patient endurance has no power of itself to enter into our hearts and make us have patient endurance. We must take that Dhamma to practice with in order for that Dhamma to have great incomparable benefits to arise in our hearts. This is Apamano Dhammo. The Dhamma is boundless. So the Buddha said he cannot change the results of karma for others. The Buddha can't give wisdom to another, but they must practice for themselves. The Buddha is one who shows the path and teaches the path, but one must practice for oneself. The essence of the Dhamma must be gained through practice. It's not that Dhamma will by itself build a person to be good, but we must take the Dhamma to practice with. We must open our hearts to receive the Dhamma. It isn't that the Dhamma has to open up to receive our hearts. We need to open up our hearts to receive that Dhamma and to practice it. We need to have the Dhammas of patience, mindfulness, samadhi and sila and they will then bring us benefit.
This person needs to have spiritual development. If one has no spiritual development, then even if they're surrounded by Dhamma, they learn and study the Dhamma, but they don't practice following the Dhamma, then it's like the great rain that falls from the sky but has no benefit to the grass which has no roots, or no benefit to the vessel that is turned upside down. We could see that when the Buddha taught each time, there was someone who saw the Dhamma. So may you contemplate that the Dhamma of the Buddha is up to our own spiritual development and accumulations. We are born into this present era, and so we need to put forth effort to build up our spiritual accumulations and wisdom so that we have the ability to receive the Dhamma. If in this life we can't see the Dhamma, then we must build the causes for it to happen in the future. We must keep building this tomorrow, the next month, the next year, until we can have the causes to know and see the Dhamma. In this way, we won't be someone who has no spiritual development. We will be ones with spiritual growth. May you keep building your spiritual qualities and then you will have success in the world and in the Dhamma. May you grow in blessings.